Welcome to What's Cooking in Hell's Kitchen, the officially unofficial podcast for Daredevil on Netflix. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 2, titled Dogs to a Gunfight. Uh, what do you think about the, the second outing for the season? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I thought... Uh, I, I agree. I, it did a lot of things that we were talking about in Episode 1, wondering will they or won't they do these things. And yeah, yeah, they're totally going that direction. So it satisf- satisfied me as a viewer, for sure. I do think that at, I feel like there are some comparisons being made to the first season that I don't know. It's weird because, like, you know, we're used to this golden age of television. That every season should get better than the last one, huh, where okay. you also have the unique problem of the superhero where, you know, it's often been said the most interesting thing about the superhero is their origin story. Yeah. And if you think of last season being his origin story, and in particular, the first two episodes were the introduction of the universe and then the fabulous was a cut man. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. Uh, where you simultaneously had his origin story and one of the best fight scene choreographies of all time. Right. Two episodes in, I don't think it's quite that good, but. Okay. Um, I agree. But, but I don't know. I mean, my hope is that they can tell a richer story that has some of the high, maybe the high points will come at different points in the season, but now that they've established it, they can actually build on that. Another thing is, this Punisher character is awesome. Like, for what little we've seen of him, John Bernthal is killing it, (laughs) and I can see why there was a lot of preseason buzz for just going ahead and spinning him off. Mm -hmm. Because, man, he is just, just just a great, great character and performance coming together. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Where do we want to start with this one? Uh, real brief note, this is not something I got from listeners, just something I noticed on subsequent watches of the... Because we basically watched it once and then podcast. Uh, I watched it again with Cecily that night, and I noticed that they're conspicuously in the Irish gang. Hmm. There was someone that had his hand cleanly, like, surgically cut off, and the cop even said, what the hell What the hell happened to this asshole's hand? I I felt like that was a one of the clues that we were maybe supposed to pick up, and I don't know the significance. I just want okay. to throw it out to the listening audience that there was a conspicuously surgically removed hand from one of these guys. Huh. Add that to the phone call that the one guy received, which could be just a sight. Like um, I was talking about it with some people this weekend, and they're like, that could just be a sight gag. Uh-huh. Like, you know, Irish guy dead. Uh, and then the Irish jig plays at the end of it, kind of like ha ha dark comedy, right? But it was also the guy that he was the, that was about to get bashed in the head with the Irish whiskey bottle. So uh-huh. I'm trying to figure out what all this stuff means. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, that that is interesting though, the hand because they do mention it a couple times. So yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see where it goes. Uh, speaking of hands, we find out early on in this that he didn't actually block that shot with his hand like we thought he might have no i completely was wrong it was just the the uh integrity of the helmet itself that stopped the bullet yeah but also there was something they went a different direction like the punisher might have not i was going the opposite direction he was going for the kill shot like this is personal fuck you yeah uh melvin seemed to spin it the other direction like right like like he didn't shoot him in the face on purpose because he could have killed him yeah shot him right in the face and the precision that he showed uh, shows that he could have, and then they they later on in the episode make you know the comparison or make the point that he may be a copycat of Daredevil, right? He sees what Daredevil's doing, and then you get copycats out there, and they've seen those before, mm-hmm. and, and in some the devil number, worshipers. right? But they've never seen a guy this good. Yeah, no, I pretty interesting, and there's also so some he, interesting... he may have like some 
some respect for Daredevil and not want to kill sure. him. Sure. Right? And, and there might be, there's also some interesting implications about the final scene, which have you seen no. anything beyond this? I have not. No. Me either. Okay. Okay. I just want to probably check in with each other to make sure we haven't uh, skipped ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the final confrontation between them was pretty fascinating. Yeah. All right. Now I think we're ready. All right. Oh, wait. Are you. So this is it? We're just going <laughs> to. I'm, I'm not driving this thing. <laughs> I'm. The, you're not. Okay. Um. Sure. Um. So one of the things I think they're really doing well this, this season mm-hmm. is the relationship between Foggy and Matt. Okay. Yeah. Like uh, that. So many times, Foggy is just distressed because you know when his when it's nighttime and he hears gunfire or whatnot, his first thought is, "Oh my God, it must it's probably Matt. He, he's yeah. like the wife of a cop times uh-huh. ten. And I thought the scene where he find you know he's desperately searching rooftop to rooftop rooftop to rooftop in the beginning of this episode, trying to find his friend, and when he finds him catatonics like oh no no like this is his worst fear yeah and it's somehow by showing that from his side it i feel like foggy could easily become a skylar white type that's just like oh he's the the normal guy who's trying to keep his best friend from being awesome but showing the like depths of the concern yeah i don't get that at all no no I, that's what I'm saying. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Construction-wise, I feel like they're do, they're doing a really good job by showing yeah. number one how kind of like even in this early stage of game, how skin of the teeth Matt is is, is surviving this stuff. That's true. Mm-hmm. And how he might be overmatched, and that these are genuine concerns that Foggy's saying, not out of sense of jealousy. And that's or the envy. real difference, right? Like Skyler was on Walt about a fifteen dollar credit card charge sure. right off the bat, and like right. all this stuff, or as. Foggy has some real concerns, and it's real danger. And also seems like that maybe Matt sold him on this idea of them being partners and making a difference, and he fully bought into that. And he's like, look, I don't want you to die, and then I'll fight on along. Like, we were supposed to be partners in this, and I feel like you, you kind of pulled pulled a fast one over on me. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be just, you know, the guy that pushes the papers around after you die and tries to help these people with their chicken problems. Sure. And I always get the sense that uh, Foggy kind of respected Matt as a lawyer more than he respected kind of his own skill. Mm. Uh, and he's growing into that, yeah. certainly. He's he's stepping up and doing what he needs to do uh, as Matt is routinely sidelined. Yeah. And I think it's interesting the tension between, uh, in early going, Matt saying, you know, I need to make sure that my city's safe and all that. And, you know, that this guy comes after the cops is going to be bloodshed with Foggy's like, look, you're safe. Karen's safe. Our client's safe. It's the middle of the goddamn day. Would you, would you take, would you at least downshift a little bit? Right. Uh, and, and he, he does. Do it. Well, he, he takes a day off. He takes a literal day. Yeah. The, the daytime off. Yeah. And I wonder if he would have stayed home except for Karen came and gave that big speech about, yeah, and then he has to go and get his suit repaired, and 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 I don't know. He's running around just as uh, he's kind of like a little bit of return to the blind justice, mm-hmm. though with the black hoodie and the backpack. I thought that yeah, was, I really like that a lot. Yeah, it is, it is nice. Um, let's see, what else you want to talk about? The- uh, good. I mean, I guess there. I, I gathered for some feedback in the forums that there's some people that thought all this hand wringing over vigilante justice and the copycat stuff. Uh, felt a little forced like it was a lot more telling than show than showing like having this big speech early on in the second episode where the cops are like oh yeah we've had lots of this stuff i 
I mean, I, I think it would be interesting to have Daredevil go out and kind of catch other Daredevils, like the Devil Worshippers, like yeah. you said. Like, show it show it that way. Reveal to us that there are a lot of those out there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of agree. And watching it, I was also thinking, you know, they're doing a lot of exposition here to build up these themes that they're going to go on later. Now, I will say that this would be a much bigger problem in my mind if we go through the season and we fee- see, like, some significant dry spells. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, man, they could have pulled... Like, you know, Matt just adventuring around in the first two episodes to show that kind of daredevils put everything on lock and kind of, like you said, make him have an encounter with the devil worshiper. Or maybe the cops have encounters because they've established Uh this. I can't I don't know his name. They haven't established him that well. But this uh, cop associate friend kind of sort of with Foggy, like if they run afoul of one of these clowns. And then establish the Punisher. But, I mean, it could be that the season's so jam-packed that they have to do this. Yeah. You know, and I, right. you know, it's kind of like a Batman formula that, uh, you know, after the first Batman movie, Commissioner Gordon says, hey, we found this clown with a card and you're escalating all this stuff. And the second movie begins and they're already hip deep in that shit. Right. But that's two hour movies compared to 13 hour series. I don't know. Sure. Uh, uh, during during when he's talking to that cop friend that you're talking about, uh, they mentioned Death Wish kind of as the opposite of Daredevil. Death Wish will, will kill people and uh, that what? kind of thing. What? Not, what? They, yeah, they mentioned Death Wish. Huh. Who I think is another superhero, yes, or supervillain maybe? Yeah. A guy in a costume going around killing people for justice? <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't... Um, I thought they were referring to Death Wish like the movies. Oh, maybe. Isn't that the old maybe Charles so. Bronson? Death Wish is also a character in a comic, right? Uh, could be. I don't. I'm not that steeped in the the, the Daredevil lore. If I I'm so, so Death Wish, not, so. okay. Uh, yeah, Death Wish is a, a film series about right. a guy taking to the streets and blowing people away with. Uh, okay, Charles Bronson. So I thought they were going after that. They, I, they probably are. Um, I for a minute I thought that they were suggesting like a maybe an origin of a bullseye character. Huh. Okay. Um, and that, that's but I don't know. I'll, I'll get in that when when we get to that point. Uh, the other interesting thing is the due to the head injury he suffered, Matt seems to be having trouble controlling his power, or yeah. maybe his power is like shutting down to protect itself from further damage because he goes Could like be. there's this one shocking scene where he goes deaf and he's just screaming in his apartment, yeah, <laughs> with with uh, as the subtitle says inaudible screaming. Oh, did I you thought, have him on? <laughs> yeah, well, the sec- I always did the second time through with, with subtitles, right. and I thought it was interesting how he's screaming. There's a weird performance um, tick where he was, like, flapping his hand in front of his ear. And yeah. I don't have any idea why he was doing that, but something about, like, well, I don't know what it's like to have super-powered hearing, so is he trying to simultaneously test his echolocation out? Right. Um, but I thought it was, like, an interesting choice to do in a cool way. It is, and... It really surprised me when Foggy found him on the rooftop and pulled that helmet off. And, like, he was bleeding from the head, but there wasn't, like, a pool of blood. He wasn't, like, shot through. It is a very odd injury. Cause the It is, but I feel like the way that Charlie Cox, I think that's his name, yeah. portrays it is really good. He's just, like, you can see that he's not, like, so much injured as he is, like, traumatized. Like and, and his yeah. yeah, and you can tell that his hearing is acting up. He's, like, shaking, yeah. and he, he can't... Yeah, he can't focus it the way he needs to. Um, I also want to, let's talk about the scene uh, where it's Foggy versus the district attorney. Oh, I love it! I thought that was pretty good too. Badass Foggy. 
because uh, the district attorney rolled, and the whole time I'm like, man, you are rolling entirely too tough on this guy. Uh, and I thought that Foggy was going to fold. Like, I didn't think so. I thought he was going to do exactly what he did, but the way he kind of like, oh, I, I understand. Yeah. And then it was kind of stuttering as he came after him. That's Foggy's way, right? He'll like say, okay, I guess, I guess you beat me. And then he'll go, nah, I'm getting back up. Yeah. I'm getting back up and we're going to fight. Do you think that's a deliberate choice? The show kind of like the way Matt goes down and it spits up blood and comes back stronger. Do you think that's I, like I a, feel like it is, yeah. The 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 courtroom version of that pretty resiliency. Much. Hmm. Interesting. The only thing that was a sour note for me on this scene is Karen Deborah Ann Wool's performance in the background. Hmm. Like I it's it's fine if she smiles or looks like smug, but she's like mugging for the camera as you know, like, like you know, world star yeah. level of like, oh, snap in the background when Foggy's <laughs> giving the DA the business. And I'm like, it was such a contrast when they switched back to the DA and her assistant, his, her, his assistant, her assistant rather, was taking this professionally. And mm-hmm. like, I guess there's a difference, a contrast between the Nelson Murdoch way and this official way. But like, yeah. God damn, act like you've, you know, act like you've been there. I know you haven't. But I, I was so focused on Foggy, I didn't. So you didn't pick that because no, it, it bothered me the first time, and the second time I watched it is all I could do. It's like my huh. like, if I was the director, I'd be less, less. Give me let <laughs> no, no, still less, less. There, perfect. Just stand there. Just blur her out, blur she, out the background. That's the thing. She was blur, but okay, her, that's her, why I wasn't seeing it. Her ham-fisted mugging was going <laughs> fighting through the blur. She like throw her hands up. Oh no, it wasn't that like you know, it, it wasn't that bad. She wasn't dropping bombs or nothing, but uh, it was more than I thought. Like it undercut the scene because Foggy wasn't being that funny. Uh-huh. It's more like he's being badass. Yeah, totally. And laughing at the DA's face, I don't think is what you want to do to reinforce your friend's badass legal tactics. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing in this scene, I think Foggy prank calls the DOJ with his full name. Hmm. I think he prank calls him. He calls up. He says, this is, this is uh, what's his name? Franklin Nelson. Uh-huh. Uh, N E L, and then he hangs up. And it was obviously the right department because, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what what he actually called. Maybe yeah. he didn't call the DOJ, but I'm like, they, they might not like that much. Yeah, I hmm, I thought that on the second watch, I listened and they said something like Department of Justice, or okay. maybe it was Downtown Pizza, and I misheard it. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, is, so is it like one of those things where if you call nine one one and do that, you're going to get in trouble? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, or is it like this is just a bureaucrat? receptionist that's going to be like whatever and go on Prop, to probably. compiling the, the paperwork of the day i just thought it was funny um the other thing is like i felt a little bad about drop you know just calling the punisher the punisher uh but it, early in the second episode they give him the moniker the punisher so yeah come on come on I, I feel you like, haven't seen any previews for this thing None? i feel like i was a little absolved about that yeah uh, so they were trying to get a deal for grotto to give what he knows about the Irish gang in exchange for witness protection. Now, I didn't mention it last episode, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, how valuable is that information? Because his almost entire gang was wiped out, and I'm glad yeah. that the DA was like, you know, go pound sand. We need you to wear a wire. Now, Get this Edgar Brass guy. Kudos to them for doing the the double, triple cross by actually making it be that he's bait for the Punisher. Yeah. 
It's uh, smart. It's it's dirty. But I it's don't smart. know that it's le- like. Fo- I I mean, Grotto might not survive it, but like Foggy's right. Like, how in the world are they not going to get their asses sued? Yeah, no, they will. They will. Yeah. Foggy's going to bring it to him. Although I don't know if. So you, the lawyer can't just sue survive. for nothing. They'd have to have someone with standing. So you'd have to get. Right. A, you'd have to find a relative of Grotto that would sue them for a wrong for wrongful death suit. I would think probably. And he says he's got nothing and no one. Right. So maybe there isn't even a relative and, around. And maybe that's why they're do, like they're actually being double triple smart and knowing yeah. that there's there's absolutely no repercussions to using this quote unquote dirt bag the way they're doing it unless he lives. Hmm. So maybe they want him to die. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. uh, What I was going for is that it's interesting that the cops are decrying essentially vigilante justice. But the second you go extra legal, that's the definition of vigilante justice. For sure. So isn't the DA's department doing the exact same thing? Seems like it. And their argument is the greater good. No one else Uh is going to stop this. So it's like, I I don't know (laughs) if that's intentional, but I thought it was super interesting to have Essentially, the entire city being vigilantes, whether yeah. you'd have a badge or not. Uh, who, who's Edgar Brass? Uh, do we? I think is he's there like a, a MacGuffin. He might show up later on, but he's just a scary drug dealer that they would plausibly want to get information from. Uh, that that this grotto would have a connection to to mm-hmm. lure to, to get him to go along with the idea because obviously they didn't care about the wire or anything. So. Okay, so I shouldn't know the name Edgar Brass. I don't didn't recognize fan. it, but I didn't look okay. it up either. Right. So and I don't know enough about Daredevil. Sure. Then I you. did. I'm looking up some things that I think are uh, like interesting. Like I did some research on this Melvin guy. Oh, okay. Um, so. Let's talk about the pawn shop scene, which is the one <laughs> where the the uh, Punisher gets to really shine. Uh huh. Also known as, how bad can we make this pawn shop owner? Yeah. Like, can we actually make him a fucking comic book character? <laughs> he's with got, how bad he is. He's 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 got a Nazi tattoo uh-huh. on his neck. He's dealing illegal illegal goods. Everything illegal. He's taking advantage of drug addicts, and, and he's a child porn dealer. What the fuck? Like. So my question coming out of the scene, and it's a great scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Bernthal, he kills it. The, the pawn shop dealer kills it. I mean, they both do great jobs. What is the Punisher's moral code here? Because he clearly doesn't care about the selling of illegal goods. That's not that's not a problem for him. Uh, he clearly doesn't care about this guy being a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer at the least. Uh, but he turns around when the child pornography stuff comes up. So, and, and I'm not. I'm not going to say he shouldn't. I think that's a good thing to do. Uh, I'm just Jim curious. coming out defense of child porn. Well, that's just <laughs> no, a no, no, low no. for bald move. Not at all. I'm. I'm simply questioning where his line is. Well, so that's kind of interesting because it's kind of like uh, the one of the brilliant things about the Watchmen series is the deconstruction of the superhero myth. Right, that you've got like uh, Rorschach, who is a combination Batman Punisher. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, 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 if you didn't have like a comics code authority, what would that person really be like? And, you know, he's always ranting about degenerate gays and prostitutes and, and drug, but he doesn't target those people because right. he's got bigger fish to fry, but you can imagine a world where eventually he'd work his way down to yeah. these people he thinks is the root cause of society's failure. So I wonder if, you know, the Punisher sees this guy as a necessary evil, but he's not going to risk, you know, every time he commits a crime, you know, a quote unquote crime, he is draw. he's risking his overall war on 
his one-man war on crime. That's true. So, like, he's going to overlook the Nazi tattoo and the, the, the weapons dealing and all that kind of stuff. But, like, the child porn, it's like, God damn it. I'm gonna, have to put, line. I'm gonna have to put down my coffee and 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 kill this guy now uh-huh. because he he just he just graduated into a fish just big enough for me to fry. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm wondering if they'll if they'll explore that more. I kind of where his lines are certainly what his ultimate goals are. Right. Certainly. I know at least in the comic book version of the Punisher that I'm familiar with, which is in the early '90s, it was all about like drugs and the effects the drugs had had on his community and his in his family and uh you know his almost psychotic need to to root all that out okay um and even going back i think his experience in vietnam i think was also with the drugs and kind of they they played that up you know this was back in the height you know reagan had just left office and you still had to just say no and is at the height of the drug kind of paranoia okay but i don't it feels like maybe that wouldn't be as a successful hook nowadays. But then right. again, you've got, you know, we just, we're, we're shifting off crystal meth to heroin. So who knows what this what, time what it's all do. about child porn. This time it's all going to be, I mean, that would be, that's kind of in the news now, right? I mean, right in our backyards, Jared Fogel so. was overseeing a million dollar child porn ring. Right. It's crazy. It's like something out of a crime novel, but it actually happened. So, yep. Um, and, and you have like uh, Mr. Robot that touches on that in the first yeah, episode. Kind of starts with that sex traffic, and there's like you know uh-huh. sex trafficking is a big in thing. the first season. Yeah, so who knows what's going to be his particular axe to grind? Because I think that's I you know again I haven't kept current with the Punisher, but I feel like that's a character where he has to be, stay current and relevant, or else he's going to see seem even more psychotic and out of touch. Right, like Captain America could. Yeah, like if Captain right. America was all about the threat of Nazism exactly. in the 1990s, it'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Well, there are pawn shop owners out there, apparently. I mean, I get it. The Red Skull kind of continues to be one of his nemesis, but he's also yeah. not, you know, I don't think he's Heil Hitlering. But... <laughs> I, don't, I don't imagine anymore, yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the key thing out of this is he's got an NYPD tactical communications rig, so he can... Uh, eavesdrop even on their encrypted communications yep uh let's see what else there's also um this plot between foggy and karen about karen feeling guilty having a case of survivor's guilt oh and man wondering if there's something about her that's drawing all of this this is like also good rod. like between this and what i think is now a fact that foggy told her uh, Matt has a drinking problem. I think the yes. the the trifecta here is getting real interesting. I felt silly for suggesting that maybe that was played as a joke because oh, in the but second I think episode, you, yeah, yeah. I think in the first one you could have been right for sure. But in the second episode, she's told, and you can see like why and how Matt denying yeah. it just makes it in her mind a bigger issue. Yep. Uh, but as far as like her thinking that she's drawing all this trouble, it's also interesting because. Really, it's Matt. It's Daredevil drawing mm-hmm. all this trouble to her, right? And she f- has this uh, unwarranted sense of guilt. And, you know, I that's because the, these scenes kind of go right together. I was of the opinion that Matt might have took a night off if Karen hadn't come to the apartment and essentially laid all of these bodies at the, feet, the foot of Daredevil. And Matt's moral, like... He buys into that enough to, like, I've got to put a stop to this sooner than later because if this is even partially attributed to my actions, uh, you know, it's it's my job to, to, yeah. to put an end to it. It's, it's troubling, though, because this is quicksand. I mean, sure. if, if you want to say that the Punisher was created by Daredevil, 
then him going out and taking out the Punisher is just going to create more of the same. Yeah, no. He's he's not, he can't really dig himself out of this hole. And also I think it really shook him that when he tries to draw a distinction between Daredevil and the Punisher, like the Daredevil doesn't kill, that Karen number one came, she, I didn't think she found that all that convincing, but she also came back with that we know of. Right. That like she might be a little, you know, weakening on her stance about how pro Daredevil she is, which, you yeah. know, to Matt, that's how pro Matt she is. And they do mm-hmm. have some kind of... Uh, you know, attraction there that is important to him. So do you think that Matt will have to eventually tell her uh, that he's Daredevil just so she won't feel so guilty about drawing all this trouble? Yes, and I wonder... I hope they get around to it this season because, man, I don't know how much Lois Clark and... or Lois Lane and Clark Kent I can stand between this. Right. Where he runs into frame straightening his tie. And- sure. But, but not only that, but just her continually worrying about him and him. Like, it's, that's okay. going to be, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to corrode their relationship and make them, uh, make her hate him eventually and see him yeah. as a, you know, a weak at best and at worst a, you know, self-destructive kind of monster. If he doesn't come yeah. clean, uh, I don't know where that leaves their personal. And also it's like, that's, that's what the walking dead kind of gets in trouble. Like instead of moving the ball forward, they stay and just have characters. They have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, but they Mm -hmm. do that by just repeating the same shit back and forth to each other. Right. That gets tired and quick. Yeah. So, you know, two episodes in, you just don't know how much plot they've got to work with and what they're going to arc, but it doesn't feel like they can stretch this even. I don't know if they can get a full season. It, it makes me wonder what's going through Matt's head because he knows Foggy told him, "Look, I told her you had a drinking problem," and so every time she comes in and says, "Hair hey, the dog that bit you," mm-hmm. he's got to feel bad for not letting her, for continuing to let her think that. Yeah, and- but but does he think it's better than letting her know that he's Daredevil? Or does he think it hasn't progressed so far that he needs to intervene yet? Well, so there's a couple things here. You've got the stereotypical. Um, I got a secret identity to, to protect the people I love because it's right. one thing for me to take these risks, but if people know that they can kill, Karen, you know, hurt Karen or Foggy to get back at me, that's yeah. like, you know, that's obviously that's an anathema. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, but also, it's like <laughs> you think this about me, and you're this worried. If you knew the truth. Oh my god. Yeah. Foggy times ten. It's not that I got a drinking problem, I'm a blind guy running around getting my ass kicked and shot at uh, every night. Uh-huh. That's the wor- yeah, that's that's even worse. So I don't know. I mean he's it's a classic case, I guess, of, of having your cake and eating it too. I guess so. You know, like is it's it's, it's I, I want to do this and I think this is right, but I also want to have a relationship here and have mm-hmm. normal human relationships because that's what's gonna keep me grounded. It's dangerous. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, we have a scene where he goes to Melvin uh, to get his stuff, his suit fixed up. And I thought it was interesting is that Melvin apparently, uh, I don't remember this relationship he has with this woman, whether that's his girlfriend or whether that's his mother or sister. Maybe it's a sister. Um, but he's, you know, he, he seems like a simple guy. And he's made this promise that he feels is morally binding not to do anything illegal anymore mm-hmm. after he's thrown off the shackles of the, the kingpin. And it seems like it's going to be a problem for Matt to, like, you know, now that this suit is protecting him from harm, how is he going to keep it fixed up if this Melvin guy sees this as a moral gray issue? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, technically, I don't, I don't know. His knowledge of Daredevil's activities, I guess, makes this illegal. 
So I'm not sure. going to say that. Well, it's he, not like illegal. he says, it's like I'm 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 not a bad guy, and he's like, well, you don't have a badge, right? And also, well, he says I'm not a criminal. I'm not a criminal, which right. he's definitely 100 percent wrong. He's never watched Better Call Saul, <laughs> sure, because Mike would tell him, no, you are a criminal, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't mean you're a bad guy, sure. Right. <laughs> so in the technical sense, he's wrong. But I felt like that Matt is already with this character really skirting close to intimidation and threats. Because hmm. he's not like he's he's promising things that he can't deliver. Like, I'm going to keep you. And, and even Melvin, he's smart enough, even though he's like a little Forrest Gumpy. He's smart enough to be like, uh, I thought the deal was we keep each other safe. And you're doing something that is going to lead you to be not safe. So how can you protect anyone if you can't protect yourself? That's a good and point. And Matt just kind yeah. of forcefully overrides him on this. And I wonder if that's going to be a plot point. Like, you know, how much of Daredevil's goodness is Matt going to sacrifice to take down the Punisher? And to protect the people close to him, which may be more of an issue going forward. Yeah, and if he has to make a choice between protecting Melvin and his crew or Foggier, and exactly. is Melvin going to be smart enough to realize? Like, this there seems like there's a lot of... Uh, Potential conflicts uh, from 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 almost all from all ends, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I thought that the Matt doing kind of like old school investigation work in his black hoodie was really cool. That he, Bloodhound work. <laughs> he follows the blood with like, and he goes finds a chain that has like a little bit of dog hair and blood. And he tracks that down to where someone's cleaning off the streets, and you're like, ah, oh, damn it. Dead end. But he's just close enough to pick up the police scanner, and it was kind of electric when he's in the Punisher's lair. Yeah. Going through, and he's seeing he's building bombs, and he's got all this police scanner stuff and all the sophisticated weapons. Um, and there's also, like, you know, we see the scene of the the, the dogs of hell, and they're hideout, and they've they've hijacked a truck, and they're going to do something with it, but then the Punisher, there's that great scene of the old guy, old one-eyed guy. Uh, uh, cleaning out the truck, and then you see the splash of blood where he just cleaned it. It's like, what? I That stuff's all good, and you wonder, like, what the hell is he going to do? Because you don't know any of these plots, and it all comes together at the end where you realize the DA, DA has set up Grotto to set up the Punisher, but he's smart enough to send the dummy truck. What was he going to do? Was he... It seems like he I was, he was just gonna there kill to kill Grotto. Grotto. Yeah. But why? He wanted to finish the job. But... That I guess that goes your your idea of his moral code. If you take Grotto at his word, which I do, that he's a very low level guy, and he might have done. Right. But why is the Punisher so obsessed uh, to, to to kill this guy? Like he's gone I, to the hospital, and no may, one got hurt, but people could have got hurt. Right. Uh, and is this you know? Does I go back to wondering whether he thinks Matt Foggy and Karen are all deserving of death and. There's like if let's get right to it, um, the Punisher and and Daredevil have another battle, and this one was kind of cool because they're essentially dodging bullets, yeah, uh, and the police are shooting at them as they're having a running battle, and the Punisher choke slams him through the window, which we see that triggers Matt. Like I feel like he's got some kind of concussion. He got his bell rung again, and now his powers are going out, mm-hmm. and I feel like. My interpretation is the Punisher has figured out that he can't see. Okay, that makes sense. Because Matt's standing there and he's trying to raise his fist, but he's not even, he's like, you know, six feet away. And, and he's, he's not circling looking. around him, too. And, 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 and he's not following he's him. He's not following him. And we know yeah. that Matt is helpless in this moment. And then the next scene, you see the police converge with Foggy. And there's just a bloody spot where they landed, but they're gone. 
Like, I feel like the, the Punisher is going to kidnap Daredevil and have, like, a, a, a nonviolent one-on-one with him. Right. It, it definitely seems like somebody was drug away from that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it looks like maybe it could even be the Punisher, given how he was shot and the blood smear on the floor. But I think you're right. I think it's more It seems like he was been... in better shape at the two. He, he if was going to be yeah. dragging someone else off, it's the Punisher. <laughs> right. And I could see him, like, tying him up and, like, look, we need to talk. You need to stay the fuck out of him. The other thing is... If, if the Punisher realizes that he's blind, mm-hmm. it's a really straight line to connect him with the blind lawyer of Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. And if he, like, you know, is would the is the Punisher the kind of guy that would threaten his, like, you know, I, I already know that uh, uh, your your pal Karen is involved in protecting this scumbag. Like, I, I think that, that could be a really interesting conversation for them. I mean, he could potentially blow up his identity, too, which would not be a good thing for him. Yeah. Was it just a d- delight in there, or did it look like that Daredevil's like shiny red eyes got blown out of his mask too? <laughs> I don't know how that would happen. I but well, maybe. I, I mean, he's kind of got a, this super glued or epoxy together helmet. But I thought, as I was yeah. looking at, I I thought that they were knocked out, which is the other thing that might have given the Punisher the tip off that he's blind because huh. it seemed like what the, the, the those are actually like those are solid things it's they're not like cut out like you'd normally have a superhero and with those things gone it's like oh there's no way it's opaque there's no way this guy can see right uh the other thing i mean i feel like i mentioned this every episode because they do it every episode but the the fight choreography is still great here even though it's like kind of a smaller battle and it's not you know that big episode two uh battle extravaganza from Mm -hmm. season one it's still awesome. It's unique. Like, there's water spraying everywhere. Yep. There's bullets flying. And I feel like... So I watched Outcast last night, which is a terrible Nicolas Cage, Hayden Christensen movie. Okay. Where the action is just... It's it's rotten. Uh-huh. It's rotten. It's like quick cut after quick cut. And yep. they don't do that in the show nearly as much as other shows. They will let you see a good five, ten seconds of really fast choreography. Uh, kind of like Princess Bride sort of stuff, uh-huh. where... It's just badass. Yeah. It's a Jackie Chan school of yeah. choreography rather than like the Jason Bourne school. Right. The other thing I liked is that at one po- at the end point of this battle, they seem to be just straight up boxing each other. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting nod to Daredevil. Like he was just throwing combinations, left, right, uppercut. Yeah. Uh, just really, I, <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it. Uh, they filmed this and it looks for all intents, like the Daredevil lands an uppercut right on the Punisher's chin. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ, the timing on that. I don't know how you do it. Or maybe he just uh, just just gave uh, Berenthal an uppercut, square on his chin button. It makes me wonder if they're doing any tricks with speeding up the film, like maybe fighting in a little bit or slower Or maybe compositing motion. it, too. I don't know. However they're doing it, it looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue that the whatever they're doing, like if they have to slow it down to do all that stuff, I don't know. But I also, like, there's even some stunts like Charlie Cox hanging up in the corner of the office and dropping down. It's like, oh, yeah. That looks like him, but I don't think he's that. Like, he's certainly in good shape, and he definitely works out, but, like, that's on a other level. Like, that's, like professional gymnast and i don't know that an actor in hollywood can do that shit right so however they're doing it with with green screen mask or what i don't know but man it's it's uh really working for me that's pretty much the episode is there anything else you wanted to talk about no i think that's it so this is the point in the episode where i hawk the bald move wears hawk it 
Uh, I got the club at club.baldmove.com, and you know we got ad free feeds and VIP forums and extra. Con- and I always feel like the listener is like the Punisher. They're slowly walking out the door, and and what is going to be the? I'm I'm really digging myself in a hole here. But what's going to be the the child porn equivalent of? Oh no! Of an offering that's going to make them Just pick up their clear. baseball bat slash wallet and beat me to death slash subscribe. Just to be clear, there is no child pornography on the nope. baldmove.com nope. website. None, none zero. None none at all. Uh but but we do have a lot of we do have a lot of enticing things. Oh god. Uh, there's no way. No, no. hey, there's no like This metaphor is quicksand. I uh, it's it's uh but I'm 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 going I'm going it. for it. Commit. I'm 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 going for it. We you're got, like foggy. You know you're in a bad situation, but commit. Just keep talking. Uh you got lunch and on the rocks, which is a a, a noontime slash evening show where we just Talk about whatever, and there's right. a Q&A app where you can actually interact with us in real time. It's a video portion, but we also release the audio as a podcast. Uh, Quit Your Pitching, a comedy show where Jim and I uh, go back and forth pitching fictitional, fictitious shows to each other uh, that we've gotten pretty good feedback, uh, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've run out of steam. I I I feel like most of the listeners walked in at the door. Maybe one or two yeah. came back with a grenade. Sw- switch switch to close with their wallets, and and they're going to hit club.baldmove.com. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, we have a bit of feedback. Um, first up, Kelly J says, "I just finished binge watching season one, so I could catch up to y'all and be on track for season two for your podcast." While I was listening to your season two preview, I started thinking about something you both kept bringing up: that but the villain's use of a device to weaken his hearing ability. But that would require the villain to know that he's blind, right? Fisk, for example, if he knew Daredevil is blind, he would, should put two and two together that the blind lawyer who's investigating him that he knows would be the same masked man interfering at every turn, right? Right. That is such a right-on point, and I feel so stupid for, like, I'm assuming that the villains, I, I guess if I was being charitable, I was flash-forwarding to season five where everybody knows that mm-hmm. there's this blind guy that's got super hearing running around on rooftops, but... The implications of those are huge. Yeah, uh, you know it's not the same as like a Superman or a Batman. I mean, yeah. Once you know a character trait, you kind of know who Matt is. Yeah, yeah it's like the one arm man. Like there's mm-hmm. only so many of those, and or, or, and I, yeah. So they have to be pretty. If the Punisher knows that he's blind, that kind of implies that they have to have an amicable. So, either an amicable solution to their conflict or the Punisher is put down permanently because if they're going to be antagonists or I guess the third possibility is the Punisher's just his moral code will not allow him to put the squeeze on Matt the same way that a criminal would or respect. Like I said, if he, if he has a lot of respect for daredevil, right. Um, like I don't want, I don't re- necessarily want to hurt you or kill you, but I'm not going to let you stop me. There's right, you know, there's a difference between like I'll always fight you if you're trying to stop me, but I'm not going to make go out of my way to hurt you or yours. Yeah, uh, which I guess is why he's an anti-hero instead of a villain. Sure. Uh, anyway, um, Garth from Fresno said I could have done without the whole conversation between Fro- Foggy's friend uh, and Carrie. Or Foggy's cop friend, Foggy and Karen. Boy, too many Foggies and Karens, and I'm just butchering stuff. I get that they wanted to cover ground quickly and explain Daredevil's effect on the city along with the details of the Punisher and then make sure the audience got the dichotomy between the two vigilantes, 
But I felt it was a really clunky way of accomplishing that. It goes back to the whole show-don't-tell mantra for movies TV. There had to be a better way to get that stuff across. See, I felt like they did it in episode one. Like, I honestly didn't need this this bit of dialogue here to tell me that the Punisher is different from Daredevil. Well, and like I was trying to get at, too, it's always tricky to pitch just the right speed of your audience. It's true. Um, It must be... uh, it, it it must be hell in the writer's room to decide how fast you move and whether, you know, uh, how much do we trust the audience? Is this trusting too much? Is this patronizing? I mean, I feel like in the better run shows, that's probably got to be the lion's share of the conflict in the writer's room is like yeah, how much, you know, you don't want to be a sloppy storyteller, but you also don't want to belabor to point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he continues, I'll be extra frustrated if this show runs out of gas halfway through the season because of some of the stuff that's mentioned in the conversation could easily have been pieces of other episodes. Perhaps if this conversation wasn't written so heavy-handed, it wouldn't be different. Um, I that's that was yeah. my point too. Like, mm-hmm. if I get through this series and there's a three or four episode lull, a lot of these problems are going to be come back boomerang, and and I'll, I'll be more bitchy about it. But yeah, I'm hoping that it's so jam packed that you're going to see this as uh, necessary story crutches to make sure everyone's right. on the same page so they can go and tell the story. And as it stands, I, I see it as, you know, just kind of a minor writing miss. Yeah. But nothing that really affected my enjoyment of the episode. Uh, he also says, I, even though I thought the DA was laying it on pretty thick, I liked that Foggy stood up to her. It would have seemed very odd as a character beat to have him speak up to the bikers last episode and almost get killed, but then <laughs> right. shrink in front of the DA and not push back on things with her. Good point. Yeah, really good point. And they're really... You're right. Like, if he's going to go to the mat and almost get killed, like, I'm really looking forward to him to be, like, Matt and him to be two sides of the same coin, that Mm -hmm. that Foggy's fearlessness in the legal arena is going to match Matt's fearlessness on the rooftops at night. Yeah. So I'm expecting great things from Foggy this season. Uh, Dummy from the forums says, he's unfortunate username. (laughs) Right. Really unfortunate. Uh, uh, Dumas. I'm gonna call him Dumas. That's the only worse. It sounds like a mispronunciation of of dumbass. Yeah. A uh, dummy says I have a range of how good the show could be and how bad. Two episodes in, it's hitting as good as I thought the show could be. That's okay. As solid a recommendation as you can. Um, I hmm. I don't. I can't disagree, but it's weird that I don't know that I agree. I mean, it's hard when you've seen the first season and there were those super high moments. Yeah. I mean, I. Thoroughly enjoyed watching this episode. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. Just, you know, not every episode is going to be episode two of season one. Sure. Episode eight of season one, you know? Yeah. And that's also, I don't know that that's universally true. For example, uh, the second season of Matt, uh, when I say that the golden era of television, you're just used to every season being better. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly season two of Mad Men, I think, is one of the weakest of all time. Um, gotcha. So maybe, but it still, you know, doesn't detract from how good I think Mad Men could be. So season two could be not as good as season one, but it's also two episodes in. Right. Let's give it a chance. That, you know, where you've got a completely clean slate and you've dismissed all the villains that you built up. You've got to build up the tension again before it can go somewhere. Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving it, I, and again, this stuff is not bad. It's pretty good. Uh, Josh L. wrote a note and wanted us to know that the um, Claire, the nurse played by Rosario Car- uh, uh, Dawson, is actually a character from the comics called the Night Nurse. 
Oh. I don't know what that means. Okay. Uh, I found out because I, 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 maybe for the first time or certainly why we're professionally podcasting this, Daredevil called the man who's helping him with the armor Melvin. So I searched for that and I found out that he is a real character called the Gladiator from hmm. Daredevil, uh, Melvin Potter, who had a backstory where he was a villain that was reformed and then becomes a staunch ally of the of Daredevil, which it seems like they just played that up fast forward. Yeah. But I also wonder if they might reverse it to where, uh, you know, he seems like he would could be prime devil worshiper mm-hmm. status. Like, especially like imagine there's a couple episode arc where Matt is sidelined. Does he armor himself up and, <laughs> and go out? And maybe. And the other thing I had as a theory, and that's, there's going to be some comic, I guess. I don't know how to do this. I don't know if it's it's worthy of spinning off it to its own section because I'm kind of ignorant about the, the Daredevil stuff. But when he picked up that shiny metal disc, mm-hmm. when he was and almost like, I don't know what the hell he was going to do with that. Almost like he was going to throw it at Matt. That's what I thought too, yeah. And he's got a very strong look reminiscent of the Colin Farrell version of Bullseye from the, okay. the, the, the Ben Affleck movie. Uh-huh. I know that looks nothing really like the comic book character. I'm wondering if like they could blend the, you know, bullseye and gladiator plot to have him be kind of uh, either a devil worshiper or a minor, or he, he takes a villain turn. Like if uh, the mm-hmm. the girl that he's fixated on gets right. hurt because of Matt, I could see him coming after that and him picking up that kind of circular shaped thing that he was suggesting he's going to throw. I was like, oh, uh-huh. I don't know could be the ravings of a crazy comic book guy but maybe and i don't know like should we put should we spin like a comic spoiler section where i just don't know enough about it like i i know it would all be me going i read on wikipedia that yes. this character does this and yes. this one does it no i don't i don't think so okay well i mean that's this is you know this is the fan show as much as ours so if you would like us to put in that effort but i don't know that it's like you know true spoilers because it's just really speculation based on a whole bunch of what's it and who's it that we picked up off of like you said researching wikipedia mm-hmm. uh anyway if you want to give us that feedback you can do so at daredevil at baldmove.com or get on the forums um it's interesting because the forums are kind of mini spoilers because i can tell by the volume and frequency of replies on certain threads like oh man this must be a good episode ah. Because okay. and there's already people like in the first 24 hours, there's people commenting on the final like people really Jesus. muscled through this, which also implies that the whole season as a whole is good. Right. If it's but, that bingeable. Yeah. It's like you see an episode that's got like 15 re- replies already. I'm like, holy shit, this must be a barn burner. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, forums.baldmove.com. All the episodes are split up uh, so that you don't you, you can kind of read at your own pace and comment at your own pace without getting spoiled. Yeah, uh, that's all we got for this week. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday with yep. the the third episode. All right, see you then.